It's good to see all of you and welcome you to Providence Church. Uh, my name is Jacob Armstrong, one of the pastors here, and we are honored that you are here. I know we have folks that are here with us for the first time, folks who've come from near and far, and we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. A special welcome to those who are joining right now live, our 930 online service. We are so glad that wherever you are, you've made the decision to join us. And I can assure you, everyone in the room, right, we are excited that there are people who are joining us who are wanting to be in connection with God in, in worship. Yeah, that's okay. That's cool. That's great. Um, I'm just eager to share with you from God's Word today. Um, the founder of the Methodist movement was a guy named John Wesley, and he would say, I'm a man of one book. And that's, that's me too. I'm a man of one book. And I believe that this is the word of God for us that's inspired by God's Holy Spirit, and it has something to say to us. Uh, and so uh, a living God with a living word, there's all kinds of cool things that can happen in the next few moments. So uh, buckle up, you know, it's going to be a good time together. We've been studying the book of John here at Providence Church, just kind of going chapter by chapter uh, this whole year. It's been a great journey. And this morning we open up to John chapter 9. I want to read to you the first couple of verses from John chapter 9. As he, and that's Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I want to read that to you again, those, those same two verses. As he went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This question, not necessarily the specificity of it, the blindness part of it, but this question is a question that almost every human heart will ask from time to time. And for some of you, for some of you, this is actually the question of your whole life, that, it, that it's a resonating uh, question deep in your heart. Um, and it sounds something like this. It's like, whose fault is this God? Whose fault is this God? Is it mine? You know, what did I do? And if, uh, I was going to say, if you're a human, which I think probably most of you are. So uh, sometimes I, I even have it written there, but if you're a human, that's good, Jake. Uh, so if you're a human, if you're human, You've probably asked this question, what did I do to deserve this? You've probably in some way faced something where you thought, what did I do to deserve this? And the disciples are asking about this man. We're told that he was born blind, and that's an important clarifier. So they don't know how he became blind. There wasn't something that happened that they could have seen or heard about. He was a baby that was born blind. And so they're asking for this, for this baby who's now a man who's lived in the consequence of that affliction for his whole life. Every moment of his life has been colored, or in his case, not colored, by him being blind. And they're asking, whose fault, Jesus? Is it somehow the man's fault, like it was the baby's fault? Or is this a punishment for the sin of his mom and dad? We live in a cause and effect world, right? Things happen and then other things happen. And so we want to figure out why it happens. We live in a place where we want to correlate. Every correlation, we think there's causation. So what, what caused this and how do these things fit together? But what we're really asking is who's to blame. And as we ask who's to blame, we're wondering what's the point? Is there, is there any meaning in this? 
You, you've heard, if you've been at Providence, us uh, share about a family in our church, the Rubio family. Uh, their 14-month-old daughter, Zadie, who was a prized treasure of our church, passed away uh, three weeks ago. And in the funeral service, her father, Daniel, gave the eulogy and the message for his 14-month-old daughter's funeral. And he shared in that message that when they learned that Zadie had Cruzon syndrome, which is an abnormality about how the skull forms together, and they learned that upon seeing her when she was born. And he shared in that eulogy, when, when he and his wife Sherry first learned of Zadie's affliction, they asked themselves, what did we do wrong? He shared that. His child had something wrong, and his first reaction was, what did I do Or what could I have done? How many parents can relate to that? Every parent, from a skinned knee to depression to an illness, we wonder, what could I have done different? Or what did I do that may have contributed to the suffering of a child? But it's not just a parent-child thing at all. It is a human question that we ask. For most of us, the first time we face this question is when we're teenagers and adolescents. That's usually the time where we first realize sort of the yuckiness of the world or the yuckiness of people or the brokenness of a situation that we might be in. And many times as a teenager, we will come, we may not say the exact words, but the feeling is there and it is, what did I do to deserve this? This situation that I'm in, that I'm facing, what was it about me? What was it about what I have done that led to this? And so the disciples, in asking Jesus about the man born blind, I think we're not just lifting up a test case for their theological argument. Hey, we've got God with us. Let's ask him hard questions. I think it was their hearts were wondering about things in their own lives. And could the one that they were walking with give them some meaning to the things that they've seen? And so they asked him, whose sin was it, the man or the parents? Their religious framework said it had to be somebody's wrongdoing. It had to be someone's choosing to go away that was against God's way. It had to be somebody's sin. And so they asked this practical question. You know everything, Jesus, this man born blind. Whose fault? Let me read it to you again. It says, as he went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, here's the answer, guys. And Jesus said, neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. That's not the whole verse, okay? There's a comma. We're going to something else. But I want to just pause here for a moment. Jesus said, if you're wondering whose fault, the baby, now man, or the parents, Jesus said, I got your answer. And the answer is neither one. He explodes their religious containers, Their religious containers, like ours, that were made by good intentions, right? We want to make sense of this. We want to try to make sense of the world and make sense of the brokenness. But when Jesus said neither, he was pushing against some things that they had been taught. He said, it was neither the baby nor the mama or the daddy who is to blame for the blindness. And in saying that, he releases the man and the parents from the guilt He releases them from the shame. It was neither the parents to carry the shame or the kid to carry the shame. They couldn't carry the weight of it anymore. They could not carry the fault for the tragic thing. Jesus releases dad and mom and son from the judgment, from the ruling that the very hard thing was all their fault. 
Now, the reason I don't have the whole, I don't have any of the verse up yet. The reason I don't have the, the whole verse up is because the next clause, which comes after that, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give our attention to. But if you saw it right now, all your attention would go to it, okay? And I just want to pause here a moment. I don't want to miss it because it could set you free today. The disciples asked the question, okay, God, who sinned? And he says, neither. The original language that the Bible, or this part of the Bible was written in was Greek, and the original manuscripts, they don't have punctuation. So the translators that we have, they put in commas and periods and lines, and they figure out how all that works. And so uh, this verse always has a, has a comma in it, but I wonder if for a moment we could just put a period there, and it says, neither the man nor the parents, period. Whose fault is the blindness? Neither Period. If we do that, there's two questions that are raised. We ask, so they never sinned, right? It says neither mom or dad or the, or the boy sinned. Does he mean they never sinned? No, that's not what it means. What Jesus is saying is you ask me a question if sin caused this, and I'm saying that the answer is no. The second question that you may already be hearing in your heart is, well, doesn't sin have tragic consequences? Doesn't our sin cause pain? Anyone want to venture a guess on that one? The answer is yes. Sin has tragic consequences always always. Of varying degrees, there's always hearts that break and lives that are taken when we sin. There's no sin that doesn't break a heart or take some life. Please take my word for that, but I'm guessing you don't have to because you've experienced it. So is Jesus saying that our sin does not, does not cause tragic things? No. Sin causes problems and pain. Jesus is just saying not all your problems and pain were caused by your sin or your mama or your daddy's. We could say it like this. Your sin causes problems and pain, but not all your problems and pain were caused by your sin. Both of these statements are true. Can you cause blindness? Yes, blindness can be caused. Is all blindness caused by the one who is blind? No. Jesus gives a resounding, uh, authoritative, historical no. There's another instance when Jesus is teaching on this same thing. That's why I'm kind of bringing it up. I think it's important. Uh, Jesus uh, mentions a tragic accident that has taken place in a southern village of Jerusalem called Siloam. But when he brings it up and the way he brings it up, it's as if everybody would know what he was talking about. And we could think of tragic events that have happened around us. You wouldn't have to say much. You could just mention a town or an event, and we would kind of see the whole picture. And so in this place, a tower fell in a place called Siloam. A tower fell, and 18 people were killed because the tower fell. And so Jesus Jesus brings, he actually brings this up without asking in another gospel. He says, remember, he says, or those 18 who died when the tower fell on them in Siloam, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? See his question. He's like, do you think that because the people who died in the accident, they did more wrong than all the people who are still living? Here's Jesus' answer. He says, I tell you, no. That's pretty clear, right? So why is Jesus being so careful to answer this question? Now, keep in mind, the question is not, does sin cause consequences? We have the answer to that question. The question is, does my sin answer the question to every consequence in my life? And the answer is no. And so hear this, guys, friends. There is some stuff that you have suffered and that you have experienced and that you have gone through and that has been perpetuated against you that's not your fault. Every person needs that question answered. But I don't know if you feel it. Getting that question answered is still not enough. <laughs> We're still like, I still have some other questions. 
I'm still struggling with it. You feel the unanswered parts, don't you? Like, well, where do we go then? Well, what do we do with the suffering? What do I do with my questions? What do we do with the blindness? What do we do with the baby who's born with a syndrome? What do we do with the grief that we feel over the loss? All right, so you ready for the rest of the sentence? It's the part I was holding on. All the translators give this a comma, and you'll see why. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, comma, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And we think, so this happened, the blindness or Jesus being there or this healing that's to come, uh, it's a little cloudy on that, but just understand that Jesus is saying the suffering, the blindness, the thing that he's gone through is a place where the works of God, the purpose of it is so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God's glory can come in the suffering. So we keep reading. Let me keep reading to you. And Jesus says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I call statements like these the okay, you lost me statements of Jesus, okay? Because <laughs> I'm like, huh? I don't get, you know, it's like, he's just kind of like blowing our minds where he's like, neither the man nor the kid are like, whoa, that's so amazing. That's so clear. And he's like, it's for God's glory. The works of God are going to be displayed in him. Like, I can get around that. I don't completely understand it yet, but I'm, under, I'm there. And then he says, and um, night is coming when no one can work. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. And Jesus does this. He He does this often when we think we've stepped into the clarity and the light of all the the great things and the hard things to understand. He'll often follow that up with a statement that's sort of hard to understand. One of my favorites is in Matthew chapter 6. There's a a time where Jesus is talking about money and possessions and wealth. And he says, it'll all kind of go away one day. You don't get to take any of it with you when you go. It rots and it it, it erodes. And, And then he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This amazing verse where we begin to see that, you know, our treasure and our hearts are connected and all those things. And then right after that, he says, and the eye is the lamp of the body, and that's where the light comes in. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and we, I'm sure we could like dice it up and, and we could look at it, but um, I think what's happening here is we're, we lean in closely to the heart and the words of Jesus about spiritual truths, and we see them in our own physical realm, but we know there's all this stuff going on, and Jesus says some things that are so clear, our brains are filled with light, and we think, I'm going to get it, I'm going to understand, and then he also says things that are very mysterious and and leave us with a big, huh. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we want a Jesus that fits neatly into all of our explanations, or the real Jesus who's in the questions, around the questions, answering the questions, above the questions, and calling us deeper? Those statements make us lean in and think, I don't completely understand Jesus. And so what do we do? We have to go where Jesus is leading us. We have to follow. We have to stay with him and follow him. So here's what Jesus did. Let me read to you. It says, after saying this, he spit on the ground. After saying this, the Son of God spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who'd formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then are your eyes open, they asked. 
And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud. He put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. And they asked him, where is this man? And he says, I don't know. (laughs) This is the sixth miracle in the book of John. It's called the healing of the man born blind. There are seven miracles upon which John writes his story. We're going to spend a whole month on the seventh one in August. It's a whopper, okay? So you might want to come back for that one. The man's blindness. He has endured. It's a story for us, but he has endured for years. Decades, it seems. The man's blindness was for the glory of God. We're still talking about it. Can I explain why he was born blind, if not his sin or his parents? I can't. Can I tell you why he suffered for years or decades? I don't know. Does that cause me some consternation? Sure. But what we see in the story is the blind man only had to explain what he could explain, and he left all the rest of the explanations to Jesus. Did you notice? They said, aren't you the man who used to beg? He's like, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that man. That's what he could testify to. They said, okay, well, how were your eyes opened? He said, oh, you want to hear my my eyes were open? Jesus spit on the ground, made mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to a specific pool, and I went there, and when I did what he said I should do, which was wash the mud off, I started seeing again, and I've never seen in my whole life. And they're like, that's not exactly what we meant by how did he do that. Like, how? Like, who is this guy? Where is he? And you you know what he says? He says, I don't know. They push on him if you keep reading the story because they want to figure out who this, they ask him, did you think this guy's from God? Do you think he's a prophet? And he's like, yes, I couldn't see my whole life. He spit on the ground. He, he's like, but he didn't try to say things that he didn't know. He just testified to what he had experienced and what he had seen. And his belief His belief led him to share it with others, whether they could understand it or not. He only had to explain what he could explain. But here's what's clear. Here's what's so clear about this story. Your suffering and mine is not without meaning. Your suffering is not without meaning. I can't explain all the parts to it, but here we are told that this thing that's happened, which is outside of our explanations, was for the glory of God to be displayed in the man, and we're still talking about it. And you are going to encounter some things in your life, and already have, suffering, pain, unexplained events, things with your kids that you never wished would have happened, and you are going to think, this is meaningless. You're going to be in that place in the human heart where you're going to ask the question, what did I do? Why do I deserve this? This is meaningless. And what I want you to hear from the word of God is your suffering is not without meaning. It means something. It's providential. God is working glory in it and in you. Last year, this week, I was stung by a wasp. I had an anaphylactic reaction and shock. I fell out on the floor for eight minutes. I had a seizure, and my life has never been the same since then. Some of you are wondering, why do you keep talking about this? I want to tell you. I felt like I lost so much when that happened. Everything was different. I have to take an EpiPen with me everywhere I go now. 
because uh, my neurologist, uh, her one uh, directive to me, you want to hear, was don't get stung by another wasp. <laughs> that's my deal. So that's, you know, from this day forward. And so I carry this EpiPen. And if I'm, uh, if I'm not close to it, like in my backpack or, you know, in the car or whatever, I have to carry the EpiPen with me, and I carry it in, this, in, in a fanny pack, right? So I got a fanny pack. <laughs> and uh, I'm saying this thing changed everything, you know? <laughs> and people would literally ask me, you know, like friends or whatever, or old people who know me a lot of time, like, bro, why are you wearing a fanny pack? And I, all I can think is, you know, it's like, I'm still suffering, you know, <laughs> still, still in the suffering. But the reason, I love you guys, okay? The reason that I keep bringing it up and then I'm going to bring it up for the rest of our life is because I want God to get glory in it, in my suffering. I can't explain all of it. I would have drawn it up a different way. I would have made 2021 to 2022 a whole different story. There are parts of it I will never understand. And for the rest of my life, I will tell you that in it, Jesus met me and healed me and continues to work in me. Aren't you the guy who fell out on the floor? You're always talking about that. I am that man. And you have your story, the thing that you've gone through, the thing that you've experienced. And you're going to ask questions. And it's only in leaning in to Jesus, following him where he's going, that we get to this place where we begin to look for God's glory in our suffering. We look for the display of God's glory in what we're suffering. There's been a lot of questions today, but I ask, how long? (laughs) How long? I think this is the answer. Until our suffering is over and we are in God's glory. So while we're in suffering, we look for God's glory. And when we're in God's glory, our suffering will be over. <laughs> Amazingly, that's what the Rubio family showed us, the, the family with the little girl that I told you about. And I want to share with you a clip. It's a short clip from the service where Daniel shared about his experience of finding out that Zadie had this syndrome and how he began to look at it. So it's a short clip. This is Daniel, Zadie's dad. When they pulled Zadie out of Sherry, you could hear a pin drop in that room because everybody knew something wasn't right. She was very swollen. She just didn't look right. Um, so she got rushed into the NICU. I'm like, do I stay with my unconscious wife? Do I go? You know, I was like, I was just back and forth, you know, and following uh, Zadie. And later that, later that evening, uh, Sherry came back. She was in the room, and her first thing was, where's Zadie? And one of the hardest things I ever had to do was to tell my wife that Shady's okay, but there's, there's an issue. Um, the initial reaction, I guess, is normal. We uh, immediately started blaming ourselves. Did we do something wrong during the pregnancy? You know, is this because of our sins? What's going on? Let me show a picture. I forgot. I brought the thing. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, when Sherry first saw Zadie in the NICU. It was a very heavy moment for us. Um, there was blame, there was questions, there was why. There was definitely tears. 
And then the next morning on day two, so snipping it to my life, I do a morning daily devotion. Every day I read a chapter and start my day off with the Lord. And I just pick a book and I just go chapter by chapter. So during this season, I was actually going to the book of John. Um, so the next day, on my normal routine, I uh, opened to the next chapter, which was John chapter 9. And I didn't make it to the whole chapter, that devotional. I made it only three verses. You can see it up on the screen. John 9, 1 through 3. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? The tears started coming down that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I immediately told Sherry, we both dropped to our knees, we both started crying, we've gotten our answer. It wasn't our sins. It was, I want you guys to remember that last part, so that the works of God might be displayed in her. It was kind of funny because there was a cleaning lady in the room at the time, and she's and Sherry's in one corner crying, I'm in the other one, we're on the ground, and she's just, you know. <laughs> she was a trooper, she kept cleaning, you know. It must have been so uncomfortable for her. Um, but yeah, we got, we got our answer that day that something special about this girl. When, when Daniel shared, um, when Daniel shared with Mark and I that he was going to share that scripture, we both looked at each other and we realized the place that we were paused in our John study, the place that we would pick up was John chapter 9. And so I think that God has something to say to us today through this scripture. The Rubio family found meaning in their suffering and they decided to look for God's glory in all of it. Why are we still talking about Zadie? Well, it's because her suffering and death and life all point to the glory of God. So we're testifying to what we have seen. We're not trying to explain it all, but we are gonna give glory to God where we see it. And so I want some of you, I think that some of you are supposed to release something this morning. In the spirit, you're supposed to give something over to God. There are some things that you have seen and experienced and have been done to you and that you have endured that are not your fault. And you can let that go today, right now. You can release it. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to carry that weight anymore because Jesus came. And then we ask, can what I'm going through be used for God's glory? Can my thing, my suffering, my pain, can that be something where God's works can be displayed in me? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Let us pray. Oh God, help us to let go of some things we've held onto for a long time where we wonder, did I cause this? It's my fault. We've done all kinds of um, internal sort of uh, abuse to ourselves and pushed ourselves down and never let ourselves out. And we can't let ourselves out, but, in, but you can. Jesus can. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our suffering servant, 
who went to the cross, paid the penalty for sin, which has consequences, but also brought this expansive, extravagant, I can't wrap my mind around it, grace and mercy. And that grace and mercy is available to every person in this room and every person who's watching online. It's bigger than you thought. Jesus has come to meet us in this place. And so God, we pray a bold prayer that you would release us from weight and guilt and burden that we've carried. And we would say, we want your glory to be displayed in us, all of us, all the stuff. So as we come now, God, to take bread and juice, let it be for us, Jesus, that we could receive his sacrifice for us. Let it be a moment, a spiritual breakthrough moment where something happens that can't happen outside of your supernatural power, where you work and you let us go free. In Jesus' name, amen.